Hello, Huron Fan here as an editor's note. Uh, this was three separate sessions recorded after each of the Gardens of the Moon episodes we did with Panda and Yasna. I'm not thrilled with the quality of discussion, but I wanted to release it anyway to get some feedback for future spoilers discussions between Ashaman and I. If you want us to talk about something specific, find us on Discord or add us on Twitter. It would be greatly appreciated. And with that, please listen. Okay, welcome to the spoiler, full spoilers for the whole series, uh, filled discussion of uh, the first seven chapters of Gardens of the Moon. Uh, just Ashaman and I this time. So uh, what do you want to bring up first, Ashaman? I just want to shout out uh, the character that I changed my opinion on the most in the series, and I think she's introduced so well, Lazine. Uh so we have our Empress, who started out as one of my least favorite characters. She ended the series as being one of my favorites. Um, we didn't really and... like her at the beginning. Like, even her introduction in the prologue, she's like, oh, yeah, she's Throne Master, and she's burning the mouse quarter. Yeah, I was and... like, she's really presumptuous, in my opinion. Like, <laughs> she's just taken over this empire. What, like, wh how dare she? I was getting offended on the Emperor's behalf, and I didn't even meet him yet. <laughs> um... <laughs> I love the scene where Peron shows up in her throne room and she just kind of chill with it. Um, I think that says a lot about her character even later on. Yeah, we, we, we're, the more we learn about her, even in the ice books, it's just like she just becomes more than anything pitiable, right? Yes. So she, she doesn't even have agency and she's the, the leader of the Empire, right? Like, yeah. The decisions she makes are. It, it, it makes me feel bad for world leaders, even if I think they're terrible people. And I think a lot of what Lysine does is terrible. But mm -hmm. she, what she does, she does for a reason. Yes, absolutely. She does to and, keep the Empire together because she believes in what it is. And not only that, but she she's a woman who has her own fears and doubts about herself. And mm -hmm. she she kills the Emperor and, uh, and the, the rope because she thought it was best for the Empire. And then she's she kills everybody else who was with them because she's afraid that they're going to do the same thing to her. Well, she kills she kills a lot of them, but a lot of them disappear well, because they think true. that she doesn't actually kill anybody, does she? Right? <laughs> I don't. I don't actually think she does. <laughs> but I'm thinking about like she she didn't kill Talk. She didn't she didn't kill uh, any of the crusts. Uh, nope. She didn't kill uh, Stormy and Gessler. All of the old guards. She just like she tries to kill, but she fails at it. So. You read the poem for the beginning of the first episode, and we know that the the author, the meta-author of the Book of the Fallen is Kamitsa, the crippled god. Mm -hmm. And the the poem at the beginning of the book is just so perfect for describing, absolutely perfect for describing the entirety of the series in how many lines? One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. And everything that this book is about could be understood just from reading this, and I think that's brilliant. Yeah, I absolutely agree. Erickson, it's clear looking back that he had a very clear vision for what he wanted this series to be. And in my opinion, he nails it. Mm. Um, it's like even with Gardens of the Moon, who, which most people would agree is his weakest book. Mm. Actually, this is my, uh, my, my least favorite House of Chains, but yeah, we can talk about that House of Chains episode. And then the, the, the second page of the book is called A Shadow by Fellison. 
and in this poem, she literally tells us that Shadow Throne and Cantillion are uh, yeah, still embedded dancer. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and he don't knows it till later. Yeah, <laughs> that's incredible. He sets it up so well. I know. And uh, on my first read, I didn't catch it all because I think you're just you're, you're you're thrown by so many different names and locations and things that you didn't know that you didn't even notice. And I think on page, I don't know, in chapter three, Callum basically says, "Hey." The Emperor and Dancer are actually Shadow Throne and, and uh, the Rope. Yeah. I was wondering, like, how did I miss that? Reading it this time was like, he he basically states it outright. Um, but that's just that just speaks to Erickson's, I, I would call it slate of hand. He's like Krupp. And in, in that way, he... he well, he, he is Krupp, right? Yeah, he provides you everything you need to know. Mm-hmm. But he hides it so well in what he says. And then looking back, you realize, oh, he it, it was it was all along. Like he's really a master at foreshadowing. Yeah, I, I wrote it down actually. Callum's gaze was veiled. Odd, isn't it? After all, the Warrens only appeared following the Emperor's assassination at Lassine's hand. Shadow Throne and his companion, the patron of assassins Cotillion, were unheard of before Callum Bed and Dancer's deaths. It also seems that whatever disagreements there is between House Shadow and Empress Lassine is um personal. Yeah. Tattersale, <laughs> Tattersale closed her eyes. It's that obvious, isn't it? <laughs> this is like this is before page one hundred. Yeah, not exactly uh, like a major spoiler for the series, but like, yeah, no, it, no. It, the entire book. I was wondering who these people, like who these gods were, and where the emperor went, and everything. And it's just, it's just he just tells you. It's right there. <laughs> so I, I'm not the biggest fan of the prologue of Gardens of the Moon, but I, when you finish the series, it, uh, it it's a perfect start. Because of mm-hmm. the way that he ends the book down, it comes full circle. He... Yeah, yeah, exactly. And fit, it ends with there. Fiddler on the roof. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, he's not on a roof. He's uh, he's on a dock fishing. Oh, is oh yes, you're right, you're right. But he's in Malaz City, and he tells a boy, and so Wh- Whiskey Jack tells uh, Ganos, you know, don't become a soldier, you'll just be a pawn of the gods, and you won't do anything. If that's because Whiskey Jack, you know, feeling like he has no control or anything, right? Mm-hmm. But at the end of the series, Fiddler says, "Oh, you know, they're they're the world always needs more soldiers." I think he says that to the boy. Yeah, and I think that he's beautiful. resigned. Yeah, <laughs> that... it's yeah. It was it was a yeah. Looking back, it's a it's a good opener and closing to the series. I agree. Well, it's just perfect because with, with uh, Fiddler, I think feels fulfilled because of what they they accomplished as soldiers, and Whiskey Jack didn't. Yes, because. Fiddler, like he, he accomplished something very tangible. He, he freed a broken soul, and that's really what the entire goal of the series was working towards, right? Like mm-hmm. providing compassion to those who don't deserve it, but those who need it. So I, I talked earlier about uh... agency. Thank you, agency. <laughs> and I think most of the in this book, especially, anytime you see somebody taking you know, action, it's out of compassion. So Riga, in her last moments of death, the only decision she has is to protect Sari, and she does that. Mm-hmm. Uh, so Marilio and uh, Ralic, their their choice is to help a friend. Uh, yeah, call. Crocus, his choice is to become, you know, not an assassin, even though that doesn't really, or not a, a thief. Mm-hmm. You know, that, that kind of goes out of the place, but I just seeing these little moments of 
you know, what these characters can do in despite the, the small options given to them, I think is really thing that we should look for in the series. Yes, that was that was one of my goals starting this reread to look for all the little moments of compassion that happen. And so far, I've been pleasantly surprised it happens like it, it's 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 everywhere now that I look for it. Mm. Like Tattersail's feelings of failure. Um, Tayshren, even though it seems that at first that he's trying to kill them, he, he actually tried to save the bridge burners. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Have you read the ice books? I read a few of them. I've read uh, Return of the Crimson Guard and Blood and Bone, I believe it's called. Um, but I haven't Why read any of the others. Because uh, I thought Blood and Bone came after Return of the Crimson Guard, but it actually doesn't. Oh, okay. <laughs> well, Orbs of um, the best, and it takes place in Darugistan. Or a lot of it, large part of it, takes place in Darugistan. And the Barbican comes up, but since you haven't read it, I won't say anything more than that. Mm -hmm. Also, uh, do you know Hinter's Tower? I don't recall, no. Uh, Hinter's Tower is the place where uh, Marilio and Ralic Nam meet when they're talking about their plan. For okay. Cole. And it's like haunted and stuff. Hinter actually comes up in that book too. Mm -hmm. um, so we, we get early introductions to characters that we'll know later on in the series. Quite a few, actually. Did you notice any? Um, <laughs> uh, which ones? Yeah, I noticed. I, I did notice some, yeah. So Felicin, of course, she's writing yep. the Call to Shadow. Mm -hmm. uh, Gamut, the house. Is it is it Felicin? Is is Felicin the one like Peron sister, or is it Felicin younger? I believe it's. I thought Felicin. it was Felicin. I thought well, it was Felicin you, younger, but when does she do, do this? Birth date. So the birth date says eleven forty six, which is eight years. Before the prologue, so Felicin, uh Oh, I guess yeah, that would be at her, yeah. Yeah, would be eight years old at that time. Felicin younger wouldn't have been born. Mm -hmm. So there was a lot. I, yeah, I'll just stop there. And we see. Does Fisher have a a poem in this part of the book? I'm not sure actually. <laughs> uh, I, 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 I I do pay attention to the poems more more this time around, but uh, even so, like it's hard for me to keep them in my mind as I read. Um, I but yeah, like he sets up a lot of uh, peoples yes. and stuff as well. Chapter um, five, Fisher. Yeah, chapter five, Fisher. Yeah, and then he, as as we all know, he will be a recurring character in the poems, and he will show up in Toll the Hounds. I think is his first time. Yeah, he's in Toll the Hounds. He's yeah. also, uh, I think, Blood and Bone, right? Yeah, uh, he's Blood he's in Blood and Bone. Yeah, I think so. No, it's a sale. A sale? A sale. Okay. And then we they mentioned Dossum quite a few times, and they mentioned that yeah. uh, his daughter was taken by Hood. Uh, I completely Gannon, forgot uh, that the first time around. I, he, he showed up basically as a new character for me <laughs> mm. when he uh, when he finally appears on the page. But yeah, going back now, it's um, it's interesting reading uh, reading. You get you get enough of his backstory to know who he is before like books and books before he shows up. So we've got Gothos following here. They mentioned the mm -hmm. Queen of Dreams. They mentioned Osirk. Well, they didn't really mention Osirk. Osirk's Gate is a place in Darugistan. Did you see that? No, I did not notice that. <laughs> yeah, they walked through Osirk's Gate a few times. I'm like, Osirk, why is it called Osirk's Gate? Do you have any ideas there? He's a legendary figure, um, and Darugistan is very old. I Yeah. yeah. Last thing that I mentioned was December. 
So I think uh, Baruch mentioned December in a curse, and he's talking about uh, mm-hmm. like it would make the the god of what's December the god of Lord of Tragedy. Oh yes, yes. Of course, he's a uh, he's a split off of December. Yeah. Yeah, I still just, don't quite understand how that works. That was always confusing to me, but uh, gods have multiple aspects. Um, you also get the uh, you get mentions of the Wiccans and the Seven Cities being known for their volatility and stuff like that. Just very, very sneakily setting up some of the stuff we, we're going to need to know for Deadhouse Gates. Oh, last week we met Moby, who we, we know from book two is actually a demon soul taken yeah <laughs> i don't think he's mentioned so far is he I, I i not by name he's not mentioned by name uh last so we're <laughs> it was so hard to hold my tongue when uh when panda was talking about who she thought was going to be oh my god she got it right on <laughs> i know <laughs> well done panda she she's she's a much smarter than I was <laughs> when I first read this. Yeah, right. <laughs> yeah, uh, that that oh man, I feel like set, setting up for this. It it makes me so much sadder. I that's that's one of the most tragic moments in this series, in my opinion. And it just it gets set up, and we know it's coming now. Um, mm-hmm. that, that her story is going to end in the most heartbreaking way it could possibly have done. Um, that is, uh, that's that's one of the things I'm both looking forward to and not looking forward to on the reread. Uh, talk, the first bad things in a long line of bad things happens to talk in this uh, first first seven chapters. He loses. He his meets Karan. He he. Oh yeah, he he has lost his eye. Yeah, before the uh, just before the uh, action has taken place. Poor talk, man. <laughs> he just doesn't get a break. That suffered more than talk. <clears throat> like maybe Fellison. No, I, I still think Talk had it worse. I mean, like, <sighs> yeah, Fellison like had, he... it ter- had it terrible. But uh, I, it, it's kind of stupid to compare suffering. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> no, I, <laughs> that's true. <laughs> I but he does have it. He has it so rough for so long. Like, <laughs> and then, and then, not only in one body, but in a new body, and then another mm-hmm. body, and then afterlife. <laughs> he just doesn't get a break. Um, I'm glad that Yasna brought up the the Mason of High House death mm-hmm. because I didn't want to because I didn't want to be like, hey, you know, maybe, maybe you should be paying attention to this. So, you, 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 do you understand the the um the deck of dragons readings? Um, I understand some of them to some extent. I don't understand them all. Uh, I don't think anybody understands them all, right? Um, but uh, the, first the, the easy. yeah, first one I got, I got a good handle on. I think uh, the second one. So the cards are Orb, Virgin, High House, Death, Assassin of High House, Shadow, Opon, and the Crown. But I don't know what the Orb and the Crown are. So Virgin High House, Death, we always do Sorry, Assassin of High House, Shadow uh, is Cotillion. Mm-hmm. Which there are separate cards there. Which do you do you know why they did that? I don't. Uh, well, the Virgin of Hyoseth is set up like uh, again in the series with um, Sin. Yeah, um, I think he's. I think he uses it to draw a parallel between them, um, and like the, the tragic nature of them. Um, I think the Virgin of Hyoseth is just 
a a young girl usually who is linked with a lot of death and tragedy yeah, and so. is not necessarily like a big player in and of herself. Although, of course, Sin is. But, um, yeah. Do you know what the crown is? I think the crown is Darugistan, isn't it? Oh, that would make sense. So uh, yeah. I, I think Orb is Kerul. You think so? Uh, I think I read it somewhere. I'm, I'm not saying that I sussed this out myself, but I believe, yeah. Orb that makes was sense. the card He's... that Kerul was before he was, you know, kind of forgotten. And that his coming back into the world is why it showed up in the deck of dragons mm -hmm. that, that would make sense and like the yeah um, right, so orb is karul virgimaz does sorry assassin is cotillion opon is upon and the crown is darugistan mm -hmm. i was surprised that they didn't get the uh uh the knight being anamander yeah that was surprised <laughs> too i'm glad i didn't you know just spell it out <laughs> mm -hmm. yeah same i was i was gonna feel obviously this is but um, especially because they got the the mason part yeah um yeah um did you know that uh animander is one of those characters that well, first of all he started off overpowered in their in their playthroughs although he was a pc um mm -hmm. but because of readers reaction to him in this book um erickson decided to make him a much larger part of the story i thought it yeah, was interesting that, that he hadn't written that out beforehand he was also originally a D and D character, and they moved him to Gerbs. Yes, yeah, and he was wildly overpowered the entire time. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, I think the most—I want to I say the most cryptic, but one of the best setups I think is having Whiskey Jack as the Mason of High House Death, because later we learn that he actually becomes like the leader of the. Yeah, him and the him and the original Bridge Burners become the. The gatekeepers of death. Yeah. After Hood, after Hood gets, after Hood abdicates. So he kind of masons the structure that is the High House death, right? Yep. Oh, those are all my notes for spoiler stuff. Yeah, I, uh, I don't, I don't have too much more to talk about. I, uh, I will once the book is over. Uh, mm -hmm. But this, as I said before in the episode, it's, it's a lot of really good setup. Um, we get the really good stuff later. Although, again, like the Siege of Pale, like the amount of times that I rethought how it went, hmm. even like books and books later, it really impressed me um, that Erickson continued to make it like a fresh and interesting puzzle for me to try and figure out and for the hmm. characters to figure out as they go along. And like, again, like as with Lazine, um, Teishren was a character that changed my mind out a lot. Like initially, you hate him, right? But he's not actually a bad guy. He's not a bad guy. No, he's I like not. him. But like when you yeah. first meet him, you just think this guy is the worst, right? Yes, absolutely. He he killed all these people for no reason, right? And like he's the but, reason. But even in this like... book, you see him another time, and he's just like out of his mind. He's like, I don't know what I'm doing. Yeah, <laughs> no one knows what they're doing, right? Like he he has so much power, but he doesn't know what to do with it, and he doesn't know how to use it. And it makes his uh his appearance in Return of the Crimson Guard very powerful because I think this is. Like, that's the book where his, he doesn't do anything, right? Yeah, I think his actions there are directly because of what he did here. He he realizes he needs to take a step back. He needs to really think through if he's going to use his power or not. I, I, that's a pretty common theme in the series, though. It's like people with power, like realizing how much power they have and sitting back and thinking, like, what can I do with this? 
what's the best way that I can do this without harming people, right? Yeah. When is it appropriate for me to use it? And when is it appropriate for me to just keep the sword sheathed as Anamander learns to do later in the series? Mm. And, uh, I think that's what happens with Urusander and Mother Dark in the, the Karkinus books as well, too. Yeah, absolutely. That's that's a, well, I, I wouldn't say Urusander so much, but Mother Dark, absolutely. Uh, Urusander, too, like, he he's... Uh, well, I don't know. We, should we talk about I, the Carcanus books? <laughs> maybe not. <laughs> we can we can do that spoiler talk whenever we do the uh with the the trilogy inevitably. Okay. <laughs> but by then the Walk and Shadow will be out. Yep. Oh, God, I'm so stoked. All right. Well, uh, thanks for listening, guys, to our uh, <laughs> ramblings. See, see you later. Okay. So first off, we are recording this after we recorded our second episode for our listeners and our last episode or our last part of this we'll, we'll edit it all together but uh was part one we recorded it after our last episode uh there are a couple things that i want to point out that we did not talk about in the last episode and that is the first hints that we get as to quickbin's identity and readers of the whole series will recognize that we still don't know who Quickben is or what Quickben is, but when he is uh, doing his hairlock stuff, we notice that he's using Kerald Galain, which is the Warren of Darkness and the Darkness of the Tyst ND. So it could only be assumed that he, at the very least, has uh, a Tyst ND soul in front side of him. Um, do we? Do you want to talk now about the Coria Delath? Uh, theory. Yeah, go for it. Okay. <laughs> let, let us know what it is. So the the for people who have read Forge of Darkness, they were introduced to a character called Coria Delat, and she was to be a Maibi or a, a vessel for souls, and she had lots of dolls, and she kind of she had a lot of dolls, <laughs> and the theory is that Coria Delat is somehow connected with Quick Ben, and. I imagine he, she was one of the souls that he consumed during the yeah trek across uh, Raraku. But that doesn't. So I'll just go through the the points that people make when I agree with all these, but it still doesn't quite fit, right? So he is uh, Ben Adafan Delat, and her name is Coria Delath. So those are similar. Uh, like I said, they both play with dolls, and he's he he does doll stuff throughout <laughs> the whole series. That's true. I believe at one point he also mentioned playing with dolls in his youth. Uh, so he is a soul taken. Quick Ben is, and he I, I don't know if this is what's been, his uh, what's his form? Do we know? I believe his form is human. Like I think him shape shifting all of these souls is his soul taken. Huh. That's uh, an interesting idea. There are scenes in uh, the Cripple God where he he's like he rubs his face a lot and then he says something and then he rubs his face a lot more and then he says something and I believe when he's doing that he's shape shifting into these other souls that are inside of him. Hmm. I always just assumed that they were like completely melded within him, so like they all the souls had come together to form one mega personality and that is Quick Ben. I, th- I think he has um, like access to all of them, but like at the same time he could shift between them at will. And does when he meets An- uh, uh, 
Amanas in this book? Does Amanas call him shape shifting? When is that in this book? I don't know. All right, let's go. Let's go next. This is the only time that he meets Amanas for a while, though. Yeah. Um, otherwise, he would get killed. <laughs> so yeah, in, in the last episode, Panda was saying that she was wondering, or was it? No, it wasn't Panda. It was uh, Yasna. And he was like, "Well, if the Shadow Realm was really new, then how is he like an old?" And we, we learned that in, I think book four, right? No, maybe book six. I think Bone Hunters. Do you remember uh, that? That what? Well, he was a shadow priest before, mm-hmm. sort of like with uh. We learned that I think in Bone Hunters, yeah, because it's Lostara Yil that tells us that I think. Uh, no, it was the rope. It was Cotillion. And he was talking about how he was never forgiven by Amanus for leaving. But he was in league oh, yeah. with... Who is the name of that from Book 4 that Carla Carsa rips the balls off of? Oh, yeah, him. The ch- child molester. Yeah. Bithadol? <laughs> um, Bithadol. Bithadol. Yeah, because like he... He was with Bidithal. Another one of the true villains of the series. <laughs> My, yeah. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> so he, he's got a connection with Bidithal there, but I forgot the, the details. But let's go back to Coria. <laughs> uh, so this is a, a scene from Fallout Forge of Darkness. You could do nothing more for her, Coria, to laugh, said Rusk. We can feel the essence of her soul. It is dark, empty. It has no power. She is not a child of Mother Dark, nor is her soul. For the darkness that dwells there is not Corald Ghislaine. It is simply absence. Yes, perfectly so. Then what awaits it, Coria de Lath, Rusk demanded. In the language of the dog runners, Rusk, I have fashioned a Maibi, a vessel, protected, sealed, and as you say, empty. What, remind, what remains to be done while it's filling, of course. So, what doesn't make sense to me is, why would he take the name? And was he known as Ben Alephandalet before he absorbed these souls? This is a good question. Um, I don't know. I don't think it's. I don't think it's mentioned in uh, in his origin story. Real story. <laughs> the origin story that we don't know. Yeah. So uh, yeah, it's a it's an interesting theory. Uh, I don't think we have data. I think we'll see in when Walking Shadow comes out. I think we'll definitely know Walking Shadow. Uh, there was one more thing that we didn't really talk about, and that was the Sister of Cold Nights, Nightchill. So, so Night Nightchill isn't as, as Athenai, and that is also Sister of Cold Nights, who yes. becomes Tattersail, who becomes Silverfall. But I don't really it's the weirdest know. thing to me. Like it must have been, must be just a weird thing about Gardens of the Moon that like she dies so easily for an Azathenai, you know? Well, look, I mean, Cruel is dead in gardens the moon right so it's not like these beings are all powerful right i i wouldn't i wouldn't say he's like dead but like in like some kind of starvation coma that's that's how i think of it either way i mean she's she's lost a lot of her power yeah it's oh yeah it's because of the curse that calor uh, bestows on her right yeah yeah um <laughs> so I wanted to. I, I'm definitely not saying that when Panda's talking about uh, Whiskey Jack's true identity, but it's a great hint as to Iskar Jarak's identity later in the series. Ah, uh, yes. The so, man of many names. <laughs> so, Iskar Jarak, I believe, is another type of bird that steals, right? Is it? 
Right. A giraffe was a type of bird found in the city of Lethris through short-beaked, yellow-plumed, and graded. Yeah, there's a nice... Yeah. So there's a little hint there. Yeah. In Chapter 8, we see the Spar of Andy. Ooh, big location that'll come up again later, but is hardly really remarked upon. <laughs> yeah. As we know from Forge of Darkness, I believe, Sparov indeed was where Hood's wife was sacrificed in order to create the Warrens, right? No, it was it was used to create the Gate of Darkness. Yeah. Um, yeah, basically. <laughs> and... Uh... Yeah, we have there another character who I deeply hate. <laughs> the Errant? Yeah. yeah. That guy's a That guy's... That, he might be my least favorite. Uh, I... In the whole series, my least favorite. I mean, Bidazol Bid is, kind of, is up there, right? I... Like, he's... He's... Like, he's super evil and stuff, right? But, like, he's just a human. So, like... I don't know. The Errant is... Uh, the Errant is a being of godlike power, who just wants to make everybody's life worse. How about Snell? Snell? <laughs> Snell? Um, he's too young to be but truly he's despicable. He's a psychopath, though, right? He is, yeah. And, yeah, I have a lot to say about Snell, but <laughs> I, 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 wouldn't, I wouldn't put him up there as, like, one of the the, the worst people in the series. You know? I mean, he's, he's somewhere in that list, but I don't think he breaks the top three. Um, I don't know. Uh, what 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 things did stood out to you? The things that the thing that bothers me the most about Gardens of the Moon is how much of a vendetta Shadow Throne and the Rope seem to have against Lacine. When in the later books, they don't seem to care. And yeah, like yeah, it's just another Gardens of the Moon thing, of course. But I th yeah. It, it, it seems to me something can be revised somewhat. I don't think Erickson forgot about that, because it's kind of an important really part of that. But I think it's... Since they've become gods, I think part of their journey is becoming less and less human, right? So I think after yes. after they become gods, they care more a lot about what, you know, I guess, petty human concerns I think as they move away from that, it just becomes less important. I could buy that, but um, at the same time, like they seem like to be wanting to destroy the empire, which they worked so hard to build it, right? I don't know. Yeah, I don't really know their motivations there. <laughs> um, yeah, we also have here the nice. <sighs> I, I like the setup for raced uh, a lot. Uh, and, and and the direction <clears throat> so okay I, I think it's really sad that the adjunct dies <laughs> i think lauren and tool could have been one of the better uh for lack of a better word romances in the series um just going off and having adventures together they could have been like the on rack and troll or the talk and tool <laughs> of the uh of the series i it was an excellent decision for him to kill off the character in my opinion but it seems like the ones you get here really just drive home how much of a tragedy it is that she dies i'll probably have more thoughts about that after our next episode but i'll just so she she has a lot of opportunities to stop doing what she's doing and yes. she's always thinking you know 
this this probably is wrong right this is wrong mm -hmm. right this is wrong right and she still <laughs> goes through with it right even to the point of going to jerusalem and, and uh planting the finest which i guess it was the savior of it all but maybe me i think Mies and her realtor are the ones that kill her right and yeah i think so i i'll have more thoughts about the next time because i really don't know how to parse her involvement and what her death means she's a really good character i agree and of course she needs to die to make way for tavor who is uh one of my more favorite characters in the series <laughs> i i love i was thinking about tavor and i i love her but i did not love her for most of the series <laughs> i kept waiting for her to do something <laughs> this is like are you gonna finally do something now tavor no and then uh you know she just she just ended up being awesome i don't know she's she, she's the woman lead, leading armies with what a charisma of minus three <laughs> something like that everyone's just hunched that they should, she's doing it right yeah uh. um one of the things here i love how everyone mistakes caliban brood for human like they say that variants. a lot like oh half human mm -hmm. or the human he's he says that twice in the book i believe <laughs> yeah um and it's just like <laughs> no this guy isn't a Sathanite. he is more powerful than rake maybe maybe <laughs> he's definitely on the top tier of power scale in the series although unfortunately we don't really get to see him unleash it ever the... which i think is a shame yeah we do in the forge of darkness or maybe fall of light yeah yeah he uh he throws down a few times uh did you notice in chapter nine we get our first mention of olar ethel yes the only bone caster who speaks incredible i yeah olar ethel is a character i have a lot of thoughts about but i'll save for later but yeah, yeah. i caught that yeah i think i have to uh <laughs> so in i believe it in book two we find olar ethel and she's the dragon the undead dragon that they they yep. ride and in book two I, I can't wait for Panda's reaction to that. <laughs> it's just it's just an undead dragon. I was yeah I, I remember my reaction to that was what the hell is going on? Just you don't even know until book three, there. and you don't even know in book three unless you're paying close attention. Yeah, because she doesn't really show herself or who she is like until the ninth book, I think, something like that. Well, she doesn't even show herself for who she is in the ninth book. Are you talking about are you are you talking about the the scene where she claims to be burn herself? Well, kind of. Like yeah, there's a lot to her character obviously and it, a lot of it isn't gotten to even in the book of the fallen you have to go to Carcanus mm. for a more complete picture of her. But like, uh, a really like disturbing getting... picture of her. Oh my god, she's like the yeah, several scenes from that has uh, stuck with me <laughs> to say the least. Uh, the epigraph of chapter 10 we, I think you wrote, read it with Kalor mm -hmm. and Kalida Brood I, I think that's one of the only times in the series where an epigraph is literally a scene that you see later on in the series yeah I think so um, there are like a couple times that epigraphs are repeated in some way or stuff like that but yeah this is this is a scene that happens in Memory of Ice that is just stuck in here and I wonder if he wrote this epigraph first, or if he wrote that scene first. I don't know. Uh, 
I, I didn't want to bring attention to it, but the chapter nine epigraph was, so chapter eight and chapter nine were both written by talk. The chapter nine one was talk about tool. I didn't want to bring it up because, because it's kind of spoilers, even though it's not, you know what I mean? Um, this bit, I am reminded, uh, this is off topic, but uh, I'm reminded just how unsatisfying it is for me that Bellardan is the dying god. I, I wanted it so bad for it to be Hairlock. <laughs> I thought, I, I was thinking that would make so much sense, that's what I thought at first, but um, I don't know, it's just this sad boy to black to black eye, you know? I agree with that, and especially the dying god is just the god in book eight that's trying to ruin everything, right? Yep, and you don't really get like a feeling that Bellardin would want that. <laughs> like he doesn't seem like that kind of guy, but the Hairlock certainly does. All, <laughs> <laughs> I think we'll have something to talk, say when we get to book eight, but mm -hmm. which is the best book? Don't at me. I disagree, <laughs> but I don't. I, I hope I hope I'll have the experience that so many people say they have when they get to book eight. It's just it, it becomes the best uh, because I it was the most sloggy for me getting through it the first time. Did you get a feeling that all of the information that talk or that tool was giving Lorne, not say all of it, but a lot of it was useless. A lot of it is very misleading, uh, and I like that. It's uh, you, you get not. Like, uh, he doesn't tell her strictly wrong information, but it's not its not the whole picture, and it's definitely not... <laughs> what he tells her is what he thinks is is the truth, but it's its not the whole truth. And I, I like that motif that comes up a lot. Not, not even that, but a lot of it just felt like him rambling. So... Hey, he wants someone to talk to, man. <laughs> no, has been I, alone for so long. I, I think he was kind of doing it as a joke. Yeah. Well, he, I, I he's incredibly sarcastic with, with someone. Yeah, yeah. He's incredibly sarcastic with someone. dry as his bones. So, like, I'm reading through this, and it's actually kind of boring when he's just talking about like history, like it's coming from a textbook. Like, there's some really, really, really interesting stuff in there. Then I'm like, oh, you're talking about the first empire and you know beginning the Talani Mas and the founding races, but then like, then he goes into like the clans and their clan names and these people who are in the clan and. Who, oh yeah, the stuff that will never matter. Yeah, exactly. I'm just like, why? Why do we need to know this? Why? Do, why do you need to know that you were the first and this guy was the second and he came after this other guy? I'm I'm also surprised that he doesn't mention that he's the first sword in this, which was like he mentions that in book three, right? Sorry, was that that he's the first sword? Yeah, it didn't, the, I don't think he said yeah. that. <laughs> which maybe another Gardens of the Moon thing that Erickson revised later, but. Uh... Yeah, I just thought it was interesting because that's such an important part of who he is. His, his like aura is like a Gardens of the Moonism, right? Yeah, it's... yeah, it never shows up again, really. Like he he does have an aura later when uh, he gets talonified by Olar Ethel again, um, and then he draws a bunch of Imas to him. But yeah, it's not it's not the same. It's not it's not this anti magic field. Speaking of magic fields, uh, the so Lorne and Tool are looking at the the conflagration of all, and he's naming off all of these Warrens. Mm -hmm. And a few of them don't make any sense to me. 
Yeah, I just attributed that to like the. I I thought I thought of that as just like Warrens exist on some kind of spectrum, and there was the High Thier and this Lan, and they kind of drew in other Warrens with their power, but it doesn't really make sense. I can't think of a way to parse it. Talon, Thyre, Denul, Driss, Tenes, Thelemon, Tobakai, Starvold, Delane. Starvold, Demolane. So, Telen, I assume, is there because of his, you know, his influence. His Garden mm-hmm. of the Moonism sphere. Thyre is there because of Tattersail. But Denul, Driss, Tenes, Thelemon, Tobakai isn't a Warren that we ever see, but, I mean, Bellardin was Yeah, what does Bellardin use? I suppose... Telemann, Toblokai. <laughs> but Tennis and Driss and Denul. Yeah, Denul is healing. I don't understand what that... Maybe Nightchill had access to those warrens? But I, uh, I thought I thought uh, and I used uh, blood magic. Yeah, I don't, I don't think... Like, I think they can make use of warrens if they want to, but they don't need to. They just have so much inherent power. Well, what stood out to me is... When Crone visits, in like is like the next scene. Crone visits Callan and Brood's camp, and she noticed she made a mention of somebody using. I don't remember what war. Maybe it was tennis. But she, somebody mm-hmm. using that. Maybe they're close enough to Callan and Brood's camp that the magic there was also involved. I'm not sure. They they were pretty far away from Callan and Brood's camp. <laughs> I don't. I, but why? Yeah. Why would Eric's, Erickson mention it in the next scene, right? I don't know. I would very much like to ask him what was going on there. Um, I don't know. Maybe he mentions it somewhere in an FAQ or something. Maybe. Or maybe he just decided to keep it mysterious because that's just who he is. <laughs> um, if you don't understand. You haven't been paying attention. That's not my fault. What wonderful professor. <laughs> So there's there's one part that I don't think is ever explained, and I don't understand it whatsoever. But in this scene, it might have to do with with the title of the book as well, which I still don't quite understand. And I'd like to talk about that in the next episode. But uh, so when Tattersail is being born, Krupp mentions uh, this sorcery belongs to the moon. Yeah, no, I read that, and this time I was like, wait, what? What does that even mean? The moon doesn't have a warren. Or any magic, as far as we know. Um, maybe it's just Krupp being a romantic, you know, saying meaningless things. I don't think so, because Moon is also capitalized. And I think Erickson's very very uh, deliberate with his cap- use of capitalization. He is, he is. Um... I just, I have no ideas, and I'd like to hear some theories. If anyone's listening, please tell me, because I don't know what the Moon magic has to do with Tattersail's. Does it, is it moon spawn, or is it you know the story of the gardens of the moon from? Uh... Also, I believe that there is a god we meet in one of the Yinsi uh... Alsmalt books who is like associated with the moon, blood and bone. I think it's from. It's from. But I, I have no theories. Yeah, I I think it was really interesting um, how Piran helps the hounds escape from Dragonfur. I don't understand why other people don't use that loophole, you know? Like, why doesn't Draconis just go through that portal and then, you know, into whatever whatever else the chains are chains would be disappeared, but, you know, he's Draconis, he can do whatever he wants. 
So I thought about that, and Perrin was asking Ulpan how to get them out, and Ulpan was just theorizing that maybe if they jumped in there, but like, uh, the way I interpreted that is that someone couldn't purposefully go in there. They had to be um, accidentally. Does that make sense? It's like, they get the hounds to walk. I don't know. I have no idea. But they, they had to be tricked into going in there, right? I just attribute that to them being hounds. and Yeah, and that's another thing. Like, they're beasts, right? So mm -hmm. maybe beasts and other beings, since they... I have no idea. <laughs> yeah, it, 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 it sort of trivialized Dragonpur to a very small extent for me, because, you know, he kills them and then, like, Ten seconds later, they're free and alive. <laughs> um, but Erickson avoids redoing this ever again, which I am grateful for. Speaking of trivializing, it bothers me a little bit that nobody dies in this book. I mean, I'm, I'm speaking, you know, some people yeah, actually Pearl. do die. <laughs> but Pearl, we meet one page, right? Yeah. Kalat dies, we meet him in one pot. Tralakafar, the assassin, dies after one page. Perrin dies, he's back the next chapter. Tattersall dies, but she's not really dead. Bellardin's dead, but he's not, well, he learned later, 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 but he's not, you know what I mean. Uh, Nightchill died, mm -hmm. but she's not really died. She's not really dead. And um, I think that's a valid lot, criticism. But that's about it. Yeah, I, I agree. Um, and especially in I other mean, books, Erickson has no problem killing off characters that you love. Yep. Um, well, Lauren dies. Lauren does die. Lauren is an important character who dies. Lauren is an and important that character. That does have an impact. Yes. Um, but it just seems like it's over and over and over again, the, the trope of that, nobody stays that dead. Is, yeah, that that's fair. And this is the only offender in the series I can think of that really does this. Uh, Hedge comes back. Hedge comes back, but I feel like he earns his I agree. comeback. It was, it was really good. Uh, yeah, there are a few characters that come back, but yeah, I don't feel like theirs were cheap. Whereas mm -hmm. this one, yeah. it comes off like that. He does he does manage to do the resurrection thing in the series without making death inconsequential. And that is very difficult to pull off, and I would like to tip my hat to him for that. Mm. Like because you. I I haven't really seen that done in another series, where a character comes back and it made death not just unimportant. Uh, I I don't like the series. I don't dislike it, but Night Angel, I think they handled the resurrection pretty well. Oh, I read the first one and stopped. <laughs> yeah. I won't go into spoilers, but yeah, I think the sacrifice necessary for that uh, did have an impact on me. But that's just a tangent. Chapter 12, we get the first mentioning of the crippled god. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And who was there but Hood and Decembre and Anomander and his five black dragons and Solana and... Uh, and everybody else. Yeah, Yasna pointed out, I still don't quite understand the timeline of it. Because how how old is Dasimultal? How old is Decembre? This was just the last chaining. Okay. The, the chained god, uh, the crippled god was um, chained many times. But... I, I, I know that there were quite a few, uh, but he talks about when he's reading that section about about the time the, the cripple god came down and then he was chained. Yeah, 
Um, like I, I could I could interpret that as like yeah those people those people were there at the last chaining but what about the first because he also mentions the first unchaining and how it brought down you know all this destruction maybe they're just skipping through because that's what he's doing he's asking for brevity I, I thought it was funny how it... I think that's the how we have to interpret it it might be in like a small timeline error but uh, yeah because December isn't around until like twenty years ago or something like that and I'm ashamed to say it but I never noticed how close Dasimultor and Decembre's names are. Yeah. <laughs> like they're they're right there. <laughs> okay. So should we Is there anything you want to bring up first? Oh no. <laughs> I think <laughs> I think I'll... wait, okay, okay. How about this? Relic Nom gets the Od- Odotaral dust in his skin. Mm-hmm. And it's implied that that's going to have an effect on him later. But in Toll the Hounds, it just doesn't. It just doesn't show up. You know? Yeah, it doesn't come. Like he's, I'm angry about that. I I was waiting for eight books when I first read this because I was like, Relic Don was originally my favorite character because he's just this assassin guy, right? And uh, no, he just he just continues being an assassin guy. And I wanted him to get cool rust powers. Yeah, it also took seven books for him to come back. Yes. Him and Vorkin. I like Vorkin. Vorkin's really cool. You need to read um, Orb Scepter Throne, because, uh, yeah, that one's the best of the novels. Yes, I do. Vorkin's in it. Oh, excellent. Got lots of assassins. And, uh, another another incentive. Lots of uh, Segula, too. Hmm. Uh, let's see. Yeah, I don't really have a lot of notes. So on in page 551 of my book, we learn mm-hmm. about the Gardens of the Moon, right? And yes. one thing that stood out to me, and I could just be grasping at straws, and I probably am, but Sari says that uh, Grawlin is the person who protects the moon or protects the gardens. And I think that sounds an awful lot like Grizzen. Huh. I hadn't thought of that. So That's interesting. Grizzen I thought, I thought didn't, didn't Grizzen get uh, killed by the... Uh... Fork rule of sale? Or that's one of the theories, at least, right? I don't think it's been uh, confirmed. I think later on in the books, they say that Grizzen hasn't been seen in centuries, but I'm not sure mm. about anything in there. But Grizzen and Grawlin kind of sound similar, and I think Grawlin protects the gardens on the moon, and Grizzen Farl is the Azathenai that protects ideas. So maybe... I like that idea. The... I hope he revisits it. Maybe that'd be nice because, uh, like, maybe in the sequel tri- uh, trilogy, because like it, it showed up in this book and then never again, right? <laughs> hmm. lot, yeah, that's a lot of things. Um, I also want to talk about that uh, comparing Gardens Moon to the rest of the series because mm. it's it's quite a bit different. <clears throat> yes, like it's it's a good introduction in a lot of ways. Cause it's just you know kind of throwing you in. It's a in that aspect, it's a pretty good way of showing what the book's like with others. <sighs> Not so sure. Yeah, no, I I wish he at least addressed the differences in Gardens of the Moon. Mm-hmm. I, like, I'm not sure if he's done that ever publicly, but I, I would like to see his thought process behind, behind uh, revising some of the things that he did, like the Talan Warren around Tool and Quick Ben's Warrens and, you know, stuff like that. Did you notice we, we got a Hiborg? 
Oh yeah, he was mentioned once, wasn't he? Yeah, I think it was an epigraph, chapter twenty. Yeah. No, I, I like I like all the 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 seeding of little things that Erickson does throughout the book. Like um there's mention of like a Wiccan horse, I think. Mm. Yeah. And several times the seven cities are mentioned and how how close they are to rebellion, especially at the end. And the Panion Seer is mentioned before the end as well. I hope if anyone's listening to this, they could uh, inform me in my ignorance. But when we learn about Ikarium in Gardens of the Moon and that he has a mm -hmm. Trell companion, they say that uh, Anamander saw him 800 years ago and he was with Osirk. And mm -hmm. that was the first hint we got to the feud between Anamander and Osirk. But I'm not sure if we ever actually learn what their feud is. I think we'll learn in uh, Walk in Shadow. Could be. I think that's I think that's where it's going to happen. Because, yeah. <laughs> I'm really curious to see how Osirk gets to where he is now. Because at the end of Fall of Light, he's kind of like a dweeb. <laughs> and now he's this uber badass who is the equal of Anamander Ake. I'm excited to see that happens. <laughs> a dweeb with father issues, who fathered a son with father issues. Yes. <laughs> um, do we ever find out what Akarium's machine in Darugistan is for? Is it part of the uh, whole coins thing? or? Uh, I think that one's just a clock. Is it just a clock? Maybe I, when when so when he, I'm not an expert on what the hell happened with Ikarium in the end of Reaper's Gale. <laughs> right. But from what I understand, he enters the machine and then he creates a new magic system with the power of his blood, but it's time aspected. And Is it time Mark, aspected? Okay. Yeah, I think it's time aspected. And so he gets in the machine and then he creates. Uh, well, I guess the new warrant. I forgot where I was going with this. <laughs> oh, and so we get like little uh, glimpses here and there of all the machines that he he made in the past, and they were kind of mm -hmm. kind of connected to this major machine, right? But I'm not sure that every single thing that he made was actually part of that. You know? Oh, okay. Do we ever find out like why he did that, or like how he even managed to when he was forgetting things all the time? I hope to on my current reread. Yeah. <laughs> I hope some listeners could help me out because that's by far the most confusing aspect of the series, in my opinion, at least for me so the, far. Yeah. By the time I got to Reaper's Gale, I thought, forgot that he made machines at all. <laughs> <laughs> so I was like, where is this coming from? Well, but, uh, I want to go glad back that to it's the, up. Yeah. I wonder if it'll go into Walk in the Shadow, or not Walk in the Shadow, um, the Carson trilogy. That'd be cool. I'm, I'm really excited to see the new magic system, because it doesn't really get explored besides, like, a little bit with Sin and, um, what's his face? But, yeah, what is his name? <laughs> we'll find out in House of Chains. The future first sword of the Empire. Yeah. I, I don't think he's actually mentioned by name in the House of Chains. Grub. Grub, yes. Sin and Grub. They explore for a bit in, I think, Dust of Dreams and a little bit in The Crippled God. And then Sin goes insane and Grub never mentions the Warrens again, I think. Yeah, uh, that's why we know their, uh, their aspect, their time aspect. Because when they enter the Warrens, they keep mm -hmm. seeing, like, they keep running into, you know, I guess, 
well, I don't want to say visions of the past, but they keep running into like past entities and stuff that were obviously in the past. Huh. I'm really excited to read that again. <laughs> so, yeah, I want to go back to the Osirk and Anamander one. So, mm-hmm. I'm not sure that it, it, it is uh, a few that started in, in the Walk in Shadow. Because from what we've read, they traveled together for millennia after that. And then they started having the uh, the feuds, and then they ah okay. <sighs> but like this is another timeline thing where you know Eric you know, kind of does what he wants, and it left yeah, us to part, piece, piece things together. Like there's a lot of things that happened in Carcanus that I thought would happen a lot later or a lot earlier. Mm. And a lot of things in Carcanus that are directly contradictory to stuff that we've been told before. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> And who do we believe? I'm not sure I trust Blind Gallon, but... I don't. That's why I yeah. love the beginning of uh, Carcanus. <laughs> He's like, yeah, I don't remember everything, and the stuff that I don't remember, I'm just going to make up. <laughs> so you can't believe me. Mm-hmm. But I want to... I, I still want to believe at least some of it, you know? I, I, I Yeah, I want to believe most of it, but um, there are a lot of details that... Hmm. This is just turning into a Carcanus discussion. <laughs> yes. <laughs> um... So we get the Lord of the Ghulane, and mm. I don't know. I, I really wanted more demons in this series. I was expecting them to play a bigger part, uh, but like we get uh, Apt in the next book, and then we get a few demons in Midnight Tides, and then I think that's pretty much it for the series, right? And, uh, except for Greyfrog. Greyfrog is um, cool. There, there are always demons, but they're always kind of secondary characters. And yeah. I know what you I would mean. Like I would like them to be Yeah, because like they're just they're just creatures from other warrens, right? Yeah, yeah, and we we get quite a few. Yeah, I agree. Especially especially the Galane. I would have liked to see the Galane more. Um, does the Lord of the Galane show up in uh, Dragnipper in Toll the Hounds? I don't remember him being there. He doesn't. He's, he's never mentioned uh, again. The, the that's another one of those. Gardens of the Moons things that kind of just doesn't show up again, and I wish mm-hmm. it did, because we only get like one. Of course, it's Gardens of the Moon, so it's really dense, and they have really small pieces of information that you can only catch on rereads. But we get that he might have some sort of uh, connection with Light because of Anamander's words to him before he kills him, right? Mm-hmm. But that's it. And like, is is he a demon from Karald Leosin, or is he? in league with the Leosin? I'm not sure. I think this is the last demon that we see Tayshren summon, right? I don't think he summons demons ever again. At least from what I've read. Um, when's the last time we see Tayshren? Uh, the last time I read him, I think, was in Return of the Crimson Guard, but I assume he's in... The yeah, he's in, he's in a lot of the... Um, I, I'm in, in the Ten Books. Oh, yes. Uh, in the Ten Books, maybe Memories of Ice. I think he's mentioned in Boneheart, but I don't know if he ever shows up. Yeah, yeah, I think, yeah. <clears throat> Which is a shame, because yeah, I really like Tayshran. I think he's a very interesting character. You should read the Ice novels. I do need to read more Ice novels, yeah. He's there a lot. Um, yeah, I agree. More demons would have been nice. More Imperial demons especially. I, I was expecting them to be a bigger part of the army thing, uh, because... You know, they yeah, we got like, Pearl and we got Lord Galane and in the exactly, same book. They were both really powerful. Mm-hmm. 
Although I guess the whole the Malazans running out of mages thing accounts for that. Yeah. Do we ever get why they've run so low on mages? Is it just I don't know. Attrition. I mean, they keep killing them. That's <laughs> <It's> true. <laughs> well, let's see if, if somebody shows even the slightest bit of uh, what's the word? Disloyalty. She just kills them off or sends them to the Ojatara Island. I mean, fair. Who wants, who wants to work <laughs> for that, right? Yeah. But at the same time, <laughs> she still, it, she wasn't even paranoid enough because the claw got infiltrated. Yeah. It was really a no-win situation for poor Lucene. Poor Lucene, but she's also kind of useless at her job. Hey, not in Return of the Crimson Guard. She gets she gets stuff done. Yeah, and then she gets killed. <laughs> then she gets killed. <laughs> I mean, uh, Return of the Crimson Guard is the one that she died, right? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, yeah, she, that's, her, that's her book being really proactive and trying to right all the wrongs that she did, but too little too late. Mm-hmm. Well, she uh, she she wins the she wins the battle at the end, and then I think she kills someone very important, and then she gets murked from behind because Possum is useless at his job. I like the end of that book because uh, Malakrel has to mm. acknowledge Make the weekends. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> okay, but we should get back to Gardens of the Moon. <laughs> okay. So raced is a d- yes. So he, he I think. So he wakes up, right? And you said it in the main podcast. Uh, I didn't say it because I wanted to bring it up here. But he 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 senses burn and he just he punches the ground. Mm-hmm. <laughs> just imagine <his> thing. <laughs> Whatever. Um, but I think that is... I don't know if Erickson had the idea of burn being a proto uh, Imas at that time. Mm-hmm. But maybe he punches her because, you know, she's uh proto imas uh, maybe idea like yeah we don't know how much race knows about burn so yeah it's interesting to think about i don't know why he has so much contempt for her <laughs> how <laughs> do we know how old he's at the start of carcanus because burn is already a thing in carcanus uh, how old race is yeah i uh, have no idea i imagine pretty old hmm. god race is an old guy he, he was probably around before, uh, when the Jaghut had civilizations, I imagine. Yeah, maybe. Um, was he the son of someone important? Gothos? Uh, that's Ikarium, right? No, Go- uh, uh, Race is also Ikarium, uh, is also uh, Gothos' son, I think. Hold on, oh. let me confirm that. I'll make Ikarium. Uh, I think Ikarium should meet his half-brother. <laughs> that would be hilarious. But then you would have to get into inside an Azath, and uh, you know that's never going to happen. Yeah. Yeah. Race is, uh, oh. yeah. Good for God. I know who his mom is. Yeah. I've sex and at least had... twice in his life. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, Gothos is basically like a first year university student that's just taking Econ 101 and is trying to impress girls with it, right? <laughs> <laughs> I have this really great idea, guys. We should just abandon civilization. <laughs> you know, society is just like a social construct, man. We should get rid of it. <laughs> you know, what I'm gonna do. I'm gonna write the world's longest suicide note explaining why. <laughs> I just had the idea that never gets over it. Well, so, a suicide note's a joke, right? Or at least a half yeah. joke. Maybe the the anti-civilization thing is a joke that all the other Jaghut just took way too seriously. <laughs> and, and it got so far that he can't 
you know. He can't back he can't up now. Out. Yeah. yeah. He, like, I literally destroyed their entire civilization. <laughs> so what was he going to do? Lord of hate. Um, so I think there's a clue in Gardens of the Moon that Hood is a jag hut. Yep. So the what first is one is uh, Perrin goes to the goods, uh, Hood's gate with Opon and they meet with uh, Hood's Herald. Do we know who that is? We do, right? Yeah, I think so. He's the he's the guy that gets messed up by uh, is it Carson? No, I forgot. He gets messed up and he gets thrown out of how, uh, high high house death or high house, oh, yeah. high house death. Mm-hmm. And I think that guy was Jag Hut. But when Raced meets Karul later on, he says to him, "You remind me of Hood," which means he knows Hood. Mm-hmm. And since he's a Jag Hut, I don't know. Uh, All Jay guts, no other Jay guts, right? <laughs> <laughs> so there's the first clue, I guess. I I was really surprised rereading this that Cruel was just willing to, you know, kind of die again, just like mm-hmm. that to get rid of Raced. Because in the in the rest of the series, he's pretty active in trying to fix the world, right? And especially uh, save Kamensad. Well, he says in Memories of Ice that he learned of. Uh compassion because of his interactions with crop <laughs> so maybe that was part of it yeah maybe uh the last thing i i want to bring up is the foreshadowing of moon spawn uh being destroyed because uh ikarium's calendar uh marks that the year of moon's tears mm. i think that one later in the most, year most obvious and, uh, yeah uh, we don't know how long Ikarium's years are. I'm surprised that Animander didn't find a way to get the weapon systems of Moonspawn up. He doesn't have the right sword hands <laughs> yeah. to interact with the controls. He's not smart enough, probably. Do we know how much he knows about Moonspawn? Like, does does he even know it's a fork rule of safe? Uh, no, not a. It's a could change a mouth thing. Probably. I mean, enough other people know it, and, and he's been around long enough. That's true. Plus, uh, yeah, he's got to, because when the Tyson D invaded the, uh, I don't know what, what should we call the Malazan world, whatever. When the Tyson D first came to the Malazan world with the uh, Tyson Eater, and they had the big battle with the Kachinchamal. The Kachinchamal were in their sky keep, so he had to have known, even though he right. But that was yeah, yeah, that was with um, Siltrus Ruin. Another Uh, character. Probably he probably just didn't know how to do it. Yeah, maybe. Yeah, still just cool. Um, so it's interesting. So, Raced mentions or mentions that he could have enslaved Burn. That seems pretty big. Like, do we like? It, can any god have that power? Like, are they all just deciding to leave Burn alone, or what? Do we know? Hmm. I don't know. Because you figure like someone would have done it, right? <laughs> See, I think because he's a tyrant. And he's gathered so much experience doing things like dominating other people. Maybe he has extra, you know, power to overtake and possess people, like he did uh, Mammoth. That's true. So he's especially powerful, and he knows how to do that. And he's just sick enough to do it. When you compare him to other people, <laughs> I got no idea. I I would have been really interested in seeing how powerful race would have been with his finest. Yeah. That would have been scary. 
Yeah, he takes on five <laughs> dragons easily with like just his, I don't know, however much power the Jagat left him. Are all Jagat as powerful as raised? No, no, I don't think so, right? Because there's this one that gets awakened in one of the mid books and then dies a couple pages later. Mm, yeah, that's true. Quite a few Jagat are killed by the Delani Moss. Yeah, although the Delani Moss are definitely just willing to die in the thousands to kill one jagged which you gotta admire their commitment so probably just raced and gothos who are that powerful maybe hood oh yeah hood probably because he he was the uh he, he's on the throne of ice mm. i would imagine he he probably is the most powerful right i don't know gothos put that giant ice sorcery over lethra yeah for and a long time yeah yeah he just kind of does doesn't do with it, do anything with it, right? Of course, he nope. can't. But. Um, it was an interesting decision to leave Hood to Deadhouse Gates, to not have him show up when uh, Paran is at his gate. <laughs> hmm. I wonder why he did that. I don't know. That that was Hood at the at the uh, the prologue of Deadhouse Gates. Yeah, I think so. Right. Yeah. Like he was. It was an avatar of Hood. Yeah. So Mammet is referred to. As both a high priest of Drek and Driss. What's up with that? <laughs> oh, I, I, I missed that. Yeah, at one point he's like, I, I think he's referred to as a uh, high priest of Driss most of the time, but I, at least one time he's referred to as a high priest, priest of Drek. And as we all know, Drek kills all the worshippers later, which is, uh, I don't know, that's just a thing I noticed this time. Is it a mistake, do you think? I don't know. Maybe. Maybe it's just a mistake that's lasted until now erickson just refuses to revise gardens of the moon <laughs> i didn't notice that i just saw drdr does driss and drek have any relation i don't know but like driss is much less important character than drek right yeah i just mentioned in bone hunters and stone wielder it seems it's gotta be a mistake right maybe can somebody be a high priest of two different gods i don't know it's this i think mammoth's the only one who would be and I can't imagine dress and Drick, dress, uh, Drek and Driss like that. <laughs> <laughs> no. Like, he's also, he seems to be, like, kind of a bad high priest, because he never really does anything relating to his gods. He just is a historian. <laughs> he just sits all day in his room. But I guess it's probably good for the gods, right? If he doesn't ask anything of them. Yeah, yeah, but you'd think they would want something of him. <laughs> I would love to talk to Erickson. <laughs> yeah. Like, is 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 this a mistake or, or mistake? Could you, you explain this to me? Where's the bone phones? <laughs> bone phones. Oh yeah, it's why never used again. Bone right? phones again. Oh, <laughs> uh, why? Why is there uh, an aura of Talon surrounding uh, the first sword? Yeah. Well, my current reread, I'm going to pay closer attention to all of the first empires that are mentioned and try mm. to figure out which first empire is which i think there are, th there are three first empires are there three? was it there's the first empire of the talani moss which uh, supposedly came before everything mm -hmm. and then there's the first empire of uh, disimbolacus and that was on seven cities and i want to i think there's at least one other first empire did calor have first empire or i don't know if he called it the first empire because he's he's mentioned in Karkness, right like, yeah, I think so. They talk yeah. about Kalor, the High King, or, or something. Somebody like that. that seems to be Kalor, yeah. 
which draws really weird. I don't know, because it, it, it seems weird to me because that would imply that humans were around at the same time as the Moss. Yeah, that always threw me for a loop because if... Because Calor is human, is right? Calor, he looks human at least. But What is Calor? <laughs> he can't be human, right? I don't know. They, they've made it pretty clear that humans are the descendants of the Emos. Yes. And the dog runners are the... I'm always curious as to why Calor is with Kaladin. Calor is really good at his job. Yeah, but like, why? Like, what's he doing with them? What's his goal? Does he just want to be around people? Is he lonely? Yeah, imagine. <laughs> Calor's Cal- uh, POVs are really interesting in Toll the Hounds. Yes, he's a he's an interesting character. That's for sure. I had this theory for a long time that Calor wasn't actually that bad of a guy, mm-hmm. and that he simply placed all of the blame. So he didn't actually kill his empire and that the millions of deaths on his hands were like a, like a metaphorical death. Like since he was the king and all these people died because of him mm-hmm. and you know, he killed them. But the more POVs we get from him, the more I think that he really was total <laughs> He might have just actually killed those people. Like he still could have like taken blame for you know, the crippled god coming down and people trying to take him down and all the people dying and then using their blood as a curse on the Zathanite, but I really just think he's a <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> no, I agree. And he's a, he's a really good character, though. I, I like him a lot. Yeah, it's an interesting take on this guy who used to be the big bad. <laughs> he's, just, mm-hmm. he's still around, but you can't kill him. He's just too good of a soldier, right? Also, um, the Crimson Guards show up here, and I think it's mm-hmm. the only time besides Midnight Tides of the day, right? Uh, yeah, I think so because they're they're mentioned in Memories of Ice, but they're just like, hey, they're not here. It's more of an mm-hmm. ex- explanation for why they're not there. And then, yeah, we meet Blues and Midnight Tides, and I think yeah, that's the last time we see the Crimson Garden in the, in the ten books. I was so disappointed. Yeah. yeah, especially for Memories of Ice, because I was stoked to see the like the Crimson Guard that they had so much trouble with, like team up with the Melasins and you know really do some damage. But instead. Caliban Brew just brings in the uh, Mata regulars and uh, calls it a day. The Mata re- regulars are cool, though. <laughs> they are hilarious. <laughs> and I, that, that's part of why I like the Ice Books, but I still think that they're cooler and more... I, they came off as more impressive in the little that they were in the Erickson books than they were in the... Yeah, I agree, because, like, yeah, in, in this book... Um, Cowl out assassins Surratt, who's apparently pretty good at her job. Um, and then <clears throat> they're just talking, they're talking about how they wreck everyone that they come to contact with, like the Gold Moranth, who are the elite fighters, and every Malazan that comes to contact with them. And then Iron Bars shows up in Midnight Tides and kills uh, Coin uh, Guy. Coin Guy, yeah, that's his yeah, name. Guy. <laughs> just like really easily and then walks off. Well, uh, this has been our uh, rambly spoiler talk. If you have things you wish us to talk about after the Dead House Gates episode, please tell us, because it's obvious that we don't really know what we're doing. <laughs> <laughs> uh, this is Huron uh, Fan signing off. Goodbye. Uh, goodbye, everybody.
music is Galactic Damages by Jingle Punks.